0: You're by my perfect
1: fire, my perfect <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Word on the Hill <laughs> podcast. <laughs> podcast. With the
0: Guys. My name is Scott Pell. And I'm Father Peter Mossett. Do you see how I got in there first? Dude, it, I did. I, um, I uh, think that. Was You're this opening too much? Cool. <laughs> it, it, I feel like I've, I've paralyzed you. Probably. Yeah, dude, I did. I was like, because normally I'm that guy. I know. You did it. I've been man. in a somber mood though. Yeah, you know, um, it. Sometimes it just happens <laughs> like that.
1: <laughs> You're getting all <laughs> spacey.
0: I, I did. I was talking to Father Brady about going into hiding the other day. Did <laughs> I
1: mention that last week? No. Yeah, yeah. Why? I, and why? Just for, because you're scared? He would no. He was just coming. The, through world the scary.
0: He was coming through the living room, and I was like, Father Brady. Okay, right now, we just got a message that there's a group of people, and they're hunting down priests of their Sacred Heart of Jesus. What do we do right now? What's What's your first instinct? Oh my
1: gosh! And, this is, is this how you guys hang out on Friday night? <laughs> and, and not really.
0: Not really. He's like, I'd call studies. I was like, I I was like, our cell phones are tapped. They're tracking us. I said, the very first thing I would do is I would smash my cell phone with a hammer. I would get a mask, kick a kit, and then I would run, and I would and go. a Jar Jar
1: Binks mask. <laughs> Jar, go,
0: go, and then I'd get a contemporary haircut so as to blend in. A
1: contemporary haircut. <laughs> Who are you? What are we talking about? Now? I don't even know, dude. Oh I to, my I gosh! Want, I want
0: to send a shout out to uh, Father Ben Dallas uh, because does he listen? He does. Oh, good. And um, he just uh, he's uh, building his church in Vidalia, Georgia. Vidalia. Um, and. Uh, and uh, he's doing it partly with the proceeds from a game that him and his brother designed called Mime Control, as in like French mimes, like the people who paint their faces, and you can buy it on Amazon. Really, Mime Control? Uh huh. And so half the proceeds of that go to building a church. Wow. Yeah. So if you you can get a totally sweet, cool, new, interesting board game for I you love and your friends, things. and then you can also do that. So well, wow, that's a little. This a little. This podcast is sponsored by Mime Control. Father Bendel
1: wait (laughs) okay just this particular one they they haven't actually sponsored us in any way but that's that's, fine that's a good point i guess that's just a shout out yeah we can just give (laughs) let's just because we like people doesn't mean we're sponsored by them
0: Uh, that's a good point
1: um where do i have any shout outs i want to give a shout out to um well more of an apology we got um a message today from uh (laughs) This is just a bummer. We got got a message over Facebook from from Courtney out in Nebraska and said her and her husband were trying to decide where they were going to travel to go to these particular weddings they were invited to, and they found out that one of them was a friend of ours, so they've changed their travel plans to attend a wedding that neither of us will be at. So Here's a shout-out to Ann and Bo O'Brien, who are getting married this weekend. They're good friends. Ann and Bo. So if you are Ann and Bo, congratulations. If you are at Ann and Bo's wedding looking for us... Sorry, um, I'm. Gonna, Sean Turgeon's there, and some people said we sort of look like so.
0: Yep, he's it, lanky. But I'm 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 excited I, though. I'm not able to go to Annan and Bo's, I'm going to uh, to uh, 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 Monica Finan. Well, will actually formerly Monica Morales, um, a friend of mine since I was 11. Which well, she's not finding yet. I know she's, she's just gonna, just gonna be finding. Yeah. And, um, don't, so the gun. don't jinx it. I know. I went to World Youth Day with her. Really? Yeah. And I remember she, she was the first person I ever saw bust out some Chef Boyardee and eat it cold. Good for her. And I was like, that was the most bold move. I remember we were walking on the, like Good the bridge her. over to Cherry Creek State Park and I was like, I was like, Monica, what? And she just loved
1: it. And I was like, I made it through a week long trip in Puerto Rico with cold cans of chef boyardee.
0: Dude, That's a different. Story. <laughs> but, that's but that's a, a d- story for another day. And and the story for today is the solemnity mm-hmm. of our Lord Jesus Christ, King of the Universe. King of the Universe. <laughs> it's always my favorite. Dude, my favorite solemnity. Dude, I love that it. it's Jesus Christ, King of the King Universe. King of the Universe. Like
1: it's just so I always think of He-Man. That's the image that's always Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Do you remember that did was it Masters you that sent me that of the universe. Do you remember you sent me that picture of the way overly muscled Jesus on the cross like <laughs> breaking out Do you remember that picture Oh yeah like, that's it, what I think of
0: It really is like one of those it's one of those Yeah it's wonderful moments.
1: So our first reading for the solemnity of Lord Jesus Christ King of the Universe is from Daniel um which is the this is our second week in Daniel Daniel chapter 7 Verses 13 through 14, we actually get um, a passage that I alluded to in our live podcast from Drogo's last week.
0: Father Peter, what is our psalm? (laughs) Sorry, I got caught looking up Masters of the Universe. I wanted wanted the He-Man theme to play. Our psalm is from Psalm 93. uh, Psalm 93. Verse 1. You can just
1: repeat it. Repeat verse
0: one, Verses. Verses. 1 through 2. 1 through 2. And 5. And 5. Very good. And then our second revelation is from the book of reading. <laughs> well, <laughs> well done. It, it, it chapters 1,
1: 5 through 8. Very good. Our gospel reading is from the gospel of John. We're in John chapter 18, verse 33b through 37 which was not the gospel I was anticipating this week no. as I was reading through our readings.
0: I was thinking that he, they were going to put him in the, the moment when when he proclaimed himself as, and you will see the Son in of Mark, God. Yeah. yeah.
1: Which we'll talk about because how can we not? Briefly, briefly, briefly.
0: Briefly, briefly, briefly. Daniel. Um, hey, Daniel.
1: Hi, Daniel. Good to see you, Daniel. All right. This is incredibly, this is profoundly important. Daniel, we talked about Daniel a little bit last week. Daniel, um... Was living through the Babylonian exile, right? He was in the first wave of exiles. To be, once Babylon came in, destroyed and sacked Jerusalem, began to destroy it. Remember, they were a punishment because Israel had become unfaithful. Yep. Babylon comes in; they begin to sack the city. Daniel was taken in one of the first, in the first round of exiles, because he was valuable and, and they wanted to put him to work for them.
0: Because he was a strong, somewhere around 15 year old kid, no, of nobility. Yep. Um, so to speak.
1: So yeah, he gets to witness kind of an he gets a front row seat for all of this, and he's in the courts of King Nebuchadnezzar, watching all this go down, seeing the city go down. Um, really profound story. There's this great uh, great moment where Daniel is in the palace of the king, and during the time of the evening sacrifice, he points his body in the direction where the temple used to be, and he offers himself as best he can. It's it's a great example of a holy man trying to live out his faith in the midst of of. Um, all obstacles, basically, yep. beautiful story, but uh, he has a series of visions, right? And in this particular one, in
0: chapter seven, is where we get it. Well, one of the things that, that that I think is worth noting is that there's some, um, uh, th- th- there's a little bit of a difference between the first part and second part of Daniel, where the first part of Daniel is often believed that it's actually writings from his youth. Mm. And that um, once you bust into uh, chapter seven, you, you kind of go from the historical side of Daniel into the mystical side of Daniel. Because mm. um, that's true. Starting in chapter seven, you well, start no, you to get the handwriting on the wall vision
1: earlier than that. Remember that?
0: Yeah. You wouldn't, uh, w- uh, the reason why I say that is because starting in chapter seven, you start to get um, timelines dream. of kings, yeah. and th- yeah. Th- th- yeah. Th- yeah. that the historical information starts to kind of wane more towards being oriented towards the future, the future, yeah. and the revelation that that's God. Fair. Actually, trying to pour out through him, and yeah, that's some fair. people have speculated that, that this is actually written at the end, towards the end of his life. That he's probably maybe around 85 years old when he when this, this part was written.
1: I could buy that, yeah, that, that he's finally putting it to paper, yeah. Not that it happened then, but he's yeah, yeah, writing it now, and that yeah. he's
0: reflecting. And so, so whereas he the, the the other one's a little bit more ordered, a little bit more youthful, interesting,
1: interesting. Well, if that's the case, I think that actually. That makes it because now he's sort of seen, he has witnessed all of this take place. Right. And the question is coming, and and this even comes to him in prayer. Uh, I think it's in chapter nine when he's praying, which is after what we're reading, but there's this moment where he's praying and he's asking the question, How long, O Lord? And if you're right that he's taking this to paper, I mean, he's reflecting now. I've seen all of these things. I've watched the devastation of our holy city. I've seen our people right. slaughter. Oh, how long? I mean, we can ask, you know, we just had, you know, we've had a week right now of these these terrorist attacks and threats and fear and terror. And I mean, we are in a weird place. And it's a great time, I think, for Christians to be asking this question How long, oh Lord, right. do we have to live in fear? And is there this danger? I mean, this is, this is hard. So, Daniel's a perfect reflection for this. And one of the things that Daniel sees in his visions, he has this dream and he sees four beasts like you alluded to. Each of the beasts, we're told, uh, represents one of the great nations that's going to rule the earth, basically the superpowers, um, up until the time of Christ. Um, So he sees a vision. um, We don't have to go through them, but he sees four beasts, right? The first one represents the nation of Babylon, which is where he is. They are the superpower. They're going to be taken over by the Medo-Persians, which are represented, um, I think, by a bear. Right? (laughs) And then a leopard comes next, and that represents Greece, the Greek Empire. And then after the Greek Empire, after this this third beast, there is this fourth beast, which is terrible and dreadful and exceedingly strong. It's indescribable. It's so powerful, and it has ten horns and all sorts of things, which...
0: And then he starts to describe the different horns and all the weird sorts of stuff.
1: Which historically matches up so well with ancient Rome, which was the most terrifying and huge, powerful empire the world had seen. There was a point where it gets divided into set ten kind of sub-kingdoms. There, there, I mean, there's lots of history that matches up super well. Skeptics of the Bible are given this had to have been written really, really late because there's no way Daniel could have known about all this stuff happening. So surely somebody else wrote it way after his death, after the Roman Empire had already come about. But we who believe that God can actually speak to the future and what's going to happen and give us insights we understand that God is showing him something. But right. here's what's profound. So this is where we sort of pick it up. So it's Daniel seven thirteen. It says, "In the, As uh, the visions of the night continued, these animals, I saw in the midst of these animals, in the midst really of this fourth beast, who's indescribable and terrifying, I saw one like a son of man coming on the clouds of heaven. And when this one like a son of man came on the clouds of heaven and reached the ancient one, that's God, the father, and was presented before him, one like a son of man received dominion and glory and kingship. All peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that should never be taken away. His kingship will never be destroyed. Happy times. King is coming. He's going to reign forever. The end. Right? No, not right. It's not the end because... Unfortunately, few people actually read on in this prophecy, which that's where it starts to get interesting. I mean, this on, is pretty interesting. Read on. Son of man. Um, son of man is actually in the Gospels. Jesus. This is the most common way to reference Jesus in the Gospels. It, it's the most common reference for Jesus in the Gospels is son of man. But it's only used by Jesus himself. Does that make sense? Yeah. He's most commonly referred to as this, but it's only used by him. So he calls himself the son of man, which on one level, you know, what, why the son of man? Well, on one level, this is speaking to Jesus humanity, that one who comes out of us is going, to, is going to do these things. But he's not just us. He's also God. And this, the, the fathers love to unpack this. But Jesus also understands that he actually is this person long fulfilled by the prophet Daniel that everybody knows about. This is one of the most popular prophecies of its time because everybody knows that, okay, we're living in the time of the fourth beast. That's why in the time of Jesus, there were so many people claiming to be this figure, claiming to be the one sent by God, claiming to yeah. be the one to restore the kingdom.
0: Wasn't there, it was, I mean, then there were some specific dates. I mean, they were tracking. Yeah. And this was, in chapter 9 of Daniel, which we don't have time to go
1: into, um, gives you very specific dating about the 490. Years. Years and the 70 years, which really literally puts you pretty squarely. The book of Daniel is profoundly accurate as far as when everything is going to take place. Yeah. It's amazing. Um, side note, and this is, well, take this for whatever you will, our Jewish friends don't read the book of Daniel. It's oh. not included in the synagogue readings. Which is interesting, and a skeptic's mind might say, "Well, it's hard to reconcile how Christological this book actually is, and how specific it is to what Jesus did, and the timeline, and all these things." I don't know the Jewish point of view as to why this is not read, but it's it's an interesting
0: fact. Yeah, I wonder if there's part of it is is half of Daniel is also found only in Hebrew,
1: not quite I half. Mean, I mean, I was but only the, found the in last Greek. couple, the last couple chapters, oh, okay, the Susanna
0: yeah. stories. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, that's a part of it. Okay, here's where it gets interesting though. Okay. So this is plenty interesting. Here's the son of man. Okay. So, I'm already I'm already interested. So there's kingdoms, they're gonna rule the world. I mean, imagine you're living in Daniel's time. Life looks pretty ugly. The Babylonians yeah. have taken over. Where's our kingdom? Okay, there's gonna be a series of kingdoms, you gotta sit it out. And then during this fourth horrifying kingdom that's represented by this beast, one like a son of man, he's gonna come and he's gonna receive his kingdom and it will last forever. Yay! Whoop-de-doo. Yay. Not whoop-de-doo, but yay. Hooray. But then you read on, and so he's asking more about this fourth beast. So Daniel finds an angel, which is convenient, that happens to be there in the dream. And he's like, hey, what does all this mean? He's like, oh, these are the kingdoms and da-da-da-da-da. So Daniel's asking this angel about the fourth beast a little more. And what we don't get in our reading, but which we have to fast-forward this, um, around verse uh, 25 or so, it talks about how this fourth beast is going to actually speak words against the Most High and will, and will wear out the saints of the Most High and think to change the times and the laws. Caesar actually did create a new calendar around himself. He changed the times, he changed the laws, the Pax Romana, all that. Um, and they shall be given up, delivered up into the hand of the fourth beast for a time and two times and half a time. But the court will sit in judgment, and his dominion, the fourth beast, will be taken away and consumed and destroyed at the end. You so know, here's—
0: Yeah, the, the word dominion, I actually don't—I hate the word dominion. It's exousia, which is uh, authority. Oh, yeah. It is authority, yeah. And, and so, so I, I don't know, just as we're Dominion, reading, doshminion. Doshminion, Sorry to
1: all of you from Old Dominion University who are listening.
0: Or Old Dominion Shipping. Oh yes, world opinion shipping. Which, which I I just I just think the word authority can actually help clarify. Exousia some is authority. It's, yeah. it's pretty explicit.
1: Yeah, yeah, he'll be given authority. But but again, here's the point. Yeah, he's gonna have authority, but not until. He and and those who he represents are handed over to the fourth beast. Right. And he's going to be handed over, and it's going to be ugly, and oh, it's going to be bad. I see where but you're going. But then he's going to come back, and then it will be restored. The fourth beast will be wiped away, right. et cetera, et cetera. That's often forgotten when these visions are all looked at because there is a, a, there is a big but when it comes to these visions. Yeah, he's going to come, but... It is going to be taken away. Well, it's not going to be taken away. He's going to be handed over. Yeah. So none of this can actually come to fruition until the son of man who descends on the clouds is literally handed over to the fourth beast. Which okay. So stick that in your pipe and smoke it for a second.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you really want to hold on to that yeah, you know very where this is direct concept when we get to John. Yes. So the responsorial summon Maybe how, we're talking about pilot. I don't know. Okay, hold on. Well, well actually,
1: no. Yes, in part, but not... That's not all of it. Oh. There's more. And you alluded it to it at the beginning of the podcast. Oh, but there's more. Oh, but so there's more. Keep that at where it is. Psalm 93, um, it's kind of self-explanatory. It's in a series of kingly psalms. Um, yeah, there's a whole series of these kingly psalms. So the Lord is king. He is robed in majesty. Fairly self-explanatory. Um, what the psalms are sort of setting you up for, though, Oh, yeah, it's Psalm 92, 96, and 98. Um, or 93 97 and 99 in the in the um Mesere text but
0: I well it, this is also uh, some, some believe that this is actually the the uh, The song on the day before the Sabbath, when the earth was inhabited, actually. So it's it's kind of a psalm. Say that one more time. So the 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 sixth day before Uh, when uh, when the when the day is inhabited before you actually go into so
1: and he has made the world firm not to be moved. Oh, interesting.
0: So so it's it's populated and we're about to enter into rest, which is actually very very liturgical as far as how we're understanding. This is the last this is the last Sunday of the liturgical year. Yes. And so, so it, it's kind of this final thing before actually the Sabbath rest. Oh, interesting. And interesting. So,
1: Funny that you brought up the liturgy. <laughs> because it, thinking of this psalm liturgically, and, and I like the connection to Genesis. I like the connection to, to the creation story because it fits really with what um, both the gospel and, and Revelation in and our second reading are doing, which is showing God's kingship is bigger than what we can see. It's bigger than a political authority. It, it's it's wider, you know. Again, yes. we we're living in pre, in a pretty dark week, quite frankly, right now. There's a lot going on in the world, and it's an important time to remember. Even though I feel a little bit terrified, yep. God is bigger than this. He still sits on the throne. That has not changed. Even though I can't see it, even though everything seems to be falling, coming apart at the seams, He's still there. Right. So, and that's important. So, taking it back to a cosmic perspective, look, this kingship. It goes far beyond the time of Daniel and King Nebuchadnezzar and what's going on now in our world. It goes all the way back to the foundations of this whole earth. Mm. And if he kept that in place and if he built that firm, surely we trust that he's still, he's still doing that. Yes, That's what it's meant to, to evoke in us, which is why Daniel's fitting. Because Daniel's meant to be reminded that you're going to have to sit through a lot. And you have to be patient because the world will be a mess for quite a while. But that doesn't change the fact that God still sits on his throne. And is going to be presented, um, the Son of Man will be presented to him. He's going to have this authority. It's real. It's bigger than this. It's bigger than Nebuchadnezzar. It's bigger than the Babylonians. It's bigger than any of it that you can see. And the psalm is reminding us of that. So that actually is a great segue into Revelation, into our into our second reading.
0: Revelation.
1: Which, um, oh gosh, so much we should say about Revelation. Revelation, this is the very beginning of the book of Revelation, which... This is a series of visions that were given to John, the beloved apostle, right? Right. Who was
0: also what? Uh, he was also uh, a bishop. He was a bishop. Do you remember what he was bishop of? Um, he was bishop of uh, the uh, seven churches. Yeah, he is bishop of Ephesus, which is present-day Turkey, which we call Asia Minor. Please do not call me a turkey. Ah. I know we're approaching Thanksgiving and all. <laughs> yeah, he's... <laughs> He's the um bishop of
1: Ephesus. Ephesus was this big mass of land well Ephesus, Ephesus was, was the boulder. Well, sort of. It's sort of uh thinking liturgically and ecclesiastically, it's like the, the um the archdiocese over a number of smaller diocese churches diocesan churches the seven churches fell under the arch sort of status of ephesus okay so all of these churches that he's writing to he has ecclesial authority
0: over which uh, arch, arch uh, comes from arche, which is uh, a greek term which would be... what no are you correcting me no i think I'm which about means to. master or above
1: it can also mean authority actually speaking of exousian it's another derivative oh it's the authoritative church oh
0: Oh, i like the string of authority it's
1: it's pretty cool so here's john who's the bishop of these churches that he's writing to they're all suffering to put it to put it simply they're being persecuted he makes it clear either you're being persecuted or you're about to be persecuted (laughs) life is hard all of revelation we talked about revelation a couple of weeks ago On a very specific level, it is writing about the destruction of Jerusalem, the destruction of the temple, and the death of Jesus. That's what this book is about. The destruction of the temple has not yet happened. So the world around these people that John is writing to is literally falling apart at the seams. Everybody's at war with each other. Everyone is fighting one another. Their social religious structures are about to be torn down. I mean, it's a messy, messy time. Yeah. So into that context into that culture he writes this message that Christ Jesus Christ is the faithful witness the firstborn from the dead the ruler of all of the kings of the earth of the if, universe let's be honest of the universe but if you're afraid of the kings of the earth and if you're afraid of the authorities the exousion, the powers right this is a reminder he's the ruler of all the rulers of right. the earth. he's the king of all the kings they're nothing compared to him to him who loves us and has freed us from by uh, from our sins by his blood who has made us into a kingdom of priests for his God and Father to him be the glory forever and ever amen behold he is coming amid the clouds, clouds. and every eye will see him those who even those who pierced him all the peoples of the earth will lament him um just as he came on the clouds in a certain sense uh, foretold by daniel He's coming again. Right. So this is he's he's obviously already come. Right. He's coming again. This is going to happen. Um Daniel I'm, I'm sorry John is reminding his readers again Jesus's kingship is big, you know we we live in this world here's here's the bottom line. We as Christians live in this world. We live Christian lives as though we're really not sure who's going to win out in the end. Is good or evil going to win? It's we're true. really not totally sure about that.
0: We, we still think that somehow it's being it's being fought out. We
1: do. We, and, and maybe we don't say that or believe it, but we live that way. yeah, as though the end is not decisive, though evil still could win in the end, as though this actually hasn't taken place, as though Jesus isn't already sitting on his throne. Right. As king with authority over everything that is. Yes. Even though it doesn't look like a revelation, quite frankly, is this book that invites us to open a door to look beyond what we can merely see with our eyes and mm. sense with our senses. Mm. Father Peter's got this weird thing where he's smelling all sorts of things today. I just, he's he's I calling everybody smell.
0: smelly. Yeah. Well, I can just, I was like, I, was like, I smell your man smell. <laughs> That's weird. <laughs> I, I, yeah, just, he, did. he just, said
1: I smelled manly, which is... It's all weird. He smelled like a clean dude. Clean dude. Um, but th- but that's what this is getting at. Um, it, this is bigger than you. What What's interesting, I was reading something earlier today, which I found fascinating. Where is it, though? Um, he's made us into glory, the Lord God. Talk for a little
0: bit. I, <laughs> I, I just, Say some stuff. Well, I think that... W- It's really easy to just go back to your point about how um, we are so easily deceived by the powers of this world and the rulers of this age that somehow that they're not all subject and that the Lord is sovereign. like. We, we, we just, we do, we freak out. He says, I promise I will be with you to the end of the age and the gates of hell will not prevail. And so as we're having a peer into the the true temple worship that's taking place in heaven, then we're actually getting a, um, a vision simultaneously of the eternal moment of Christ in this expression of his passion and his resurrection and death, yeah. but also an image of the church as a holy bride being prepared for her husband in its complex, in its... Its completeness. So, so we're getting both approximate and remote fulfillment. We're seeing the end of the ages, the current ages, and the age that was. That's why yeah. at the end of this, he says, "I am the Alpha and the Omega." We say, "The firstborn of the dead, the beginning and the end." He is who will be always and forever. And and so that's why we sign the yeah. cross of the Paschal candle with this these same words every single time. Yeah. Um, so
1: yeah, which is really. Really cool. The other thing to remember about this is that this is in a liturgical setting. And what John is seeing is all taking place within the context of the Mass. Yes. Right? So to, to take Revelation... This is why... I don't mean this to sound mean, but I don't know if our Protestant friends can fully understand the book of Revelation outside of a context of the liturgy. Because so much is liturgical that's going on here. What John sees involves lampstands and incense and choirs and liturgical garb and robes and vestments. And I mean, it's so liturgical. So to see Jesus's kingship actually um, made explicit in the liturgy is really interesting.
0: I also find it really interesting that um, you talk to, if you go to any military ceremony, the military actually do, understand me rightly here, liturgy well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, in, in fact, the the formality of presentations and the yep. ordering of the world, because part part of what's happening in in liturgy is, is it's the it's it's an ordering of the mystery to make it more intelligible and more mysterious. Yeah. So that you have a greater access into the mystery, uh, while allowing it to be mysterious, and so yeah. a mystical vision of the liturgy is is helping us to order what we're experiencing and what the world is at the same time, actually helping us to penetrate its depth in an increasingly greater capacity. Yes. So so that that's where yeah. so Christ the King in his order, you you can see military-wise, like no, there's actually things that you do to understand and to grasp the victory. And yeah. that there is going to be processions and there's going to be speeches and there's going to be testimonial and uh, expression. And so, so where it's like, it's like the proclamation of Jesus saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega, yes. the one who is and was who was and who's to, who to come, the Almighty. <laughs> Did you just, yeah, it was pretty much in there. <laughs> there's, you, you got all the words. I got all a, the a, words a, basically a like, like kind of there. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so, Okay. So then we have So now we have the liturgy established. So now we have Now we have a lens through which to see this kingship of Jesus which transcends any of the hardships that we endure, right? Mm. Any of the things we feel. We have a lens that we can and this is John's understanding. I can actually go into the liturgy now and I can see reality for what it really is. Mm. That's the insight. I mean what John is doing, he makes it clear When I was in the Spirit, is what it said, on the Lord's Day, in other words, celebrating the Mass, that's a technical term from the first century, when I was saying the Mass, I was able to see reality for what it was. Mm. That's a big insight for us, Mm. especially for those of us who have been Catholics our whole lives, and sometimes the Mass just feels boring, to actually ask the Holy Spirit to open us up to to be able to see reality Mm. in this way, that we can share this this common vision of what's going on. So that being said, that kind of being established, now we go into the gospel, right? Especially in light of Daniel's vision, that because that is this is the the key to the readings this week. Yeah, I'm I'm so, stoked. Here's the thing about the the trial scene of Jesus. So this is John eighteen. It is when Jesus is on trial. One of the things that's important to remember is that there are two trials for Jesus. Who are the two
0: trials? You have Herod and Pilate. No, no, no. You have uh, the high priest, court, yeah. and Pilate. Sorry. Caiaphas. So yeah. So yeah, there's yeah. a
1: Jewish trial, so to speak, and a Roman trial, so to speak, right?
0: Yeah, and the Jewish Neither trial was... Neither of them was, want to was... deal with the other. No, no, and the Jewish trial was held at night and in secret because you mm. kind of couldn't... Under Roman rule, you couldn't really do it in any other way.
1: Yeah. So let's start with the second one. Okay. So this is this is what the reading we get is the second trial, which was the Roman trial, which is what the Jews who were against Jesus, all kind of wanted to toss him to. Like, you guys deal with it. We don't have the legal authority to kill him, so you guys have to do it. So there he is with Pilate. And Pilate, Pilate's a fascinating figure, isn't he? I mean, he's intrigued. He's kind, of, he's kind of noncommittal, but he's curious, and there's his wife, and she's having dreams. So Pilate said to Jesus, he's up there on trial, are you the king of the Jews? Because that's the, that's the charge, right? Are you the king of the Jews? Right. And Pilate, quite frankly, doesn't have that much reason to care about this. Well, let me, I might take that back. A a big problem that's going on in the Roman Empire at this time, especially in Judea, was this threat of treason from Jewish, um, a lot of false messiahs, people who were claiming to be king, who were getting killed and crucified by the Romans because they claimed to be king when, in fact, Caesar Augustus and Caesar alone was the true king. He held the title of the Christ, the Lord. Um, right. The king of kings, all of these things. Yeah. So here's Jesus being accused of this Pilate, again. He doesn't seem like he cares all that much. He's curious. He's like, so what's the deal? Are, are you the king of the Jews or not? Right. And Jesus answered, do you say this on your own or have others told you about me? And Pilate answered, I'm not a Jew. Am I? I don't. I have no vested interest in this. Right. I'm trying to keep the peace because I know Caesar would be ticked off if there's someone claiming to be king. I'm just trying to keep the peace here. I'm trying to live my life. I'm trying to do my job. Your own nation, he says, and the chief priest handed you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, my kingdom does not belong to this world. One of the things we have to be careful about is Jesus is not saying my kingdom has no place in this world. He's saying my kingdom transcends this world. And that's an error that I think a lot of Christians sometimes make is that the kingdom of God then becomes merely this faraway place in the sky or the place that we go when we die or a place in our hearts or something like that. And not an earthly reality. It's both. It's not limited to the earthly reality. Right. But it, it goes beyond that. It transcends that. But that doesn't mean Jesus didn't come, take on human flesh and establish a church. Yes. That's real. But this church that is, frail and weak and makes, you know, we we humans make mistakes and our leaders make mistakes. Yes. He transcends that. It doesn't belong to that. It's not limited in that. That's what he means here. If my kingdom did belong to this world, my attendants would be fighting to keep me from being what? Handed over. Handed over. Remember the book of Daniel? Yes. So we had the visions of the beasts. Fourth beast was going to show up. Son of man was going to descend on the clouds. And what was going to happen to him? He would be... Handed over. Handed over. Perididus is yeah. the um, the Greek word. Perididus is actually the derivative is Judas. Judas' own name is a derivative of the verb to hand over. Oh. Because he is the hander over, literally. It's a grammatical oddity, but it is it is derivative of that same word. Oh, wow. Uh, so, perididus, they would keep me from being handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not here. Now, again... I know what I just said. It is here and J- Jesus it's it is a both and and he's trying to make a point. It's not merely here. That's what he's getting at. But we can't take that to mean it's not here whatsoever because he said my kingdom I I build my
0: church on you Peter. You're here. So, you know what well, I mean? The, this is the thing we got to be it, careful. When that's where exousia, where authority yeah. is actually a really radical important thing because you're you're taking I mean, this is a big reason why they wanted to hand him over is because of his temple actions. And he opposed the temple yeah. and the temple work and the authority of the temple yeah. versus in the temple regime. He's saying, no, I'm an actually a, an authoritative person of which I can hand on the real authority. And they're, and they're not interested in that.
1: Well, and earlier in John, a
0: couple chapters prior, he said, I am the temple.
1: He, he alluded to himself as the temple. He is it. Yes. So here he is before a Who does Pilate represent? Rome. Rome. Who ten, is believed to be the fourth, the fourth beast? Ten-horned beast of the fourth Roman rite. So that's it, right? You send it over stuff. to Rome. That's the fourth beast. Prophecies fulfilled, right? Right. Wrong. That's a part of it, but it's only half a part of it. Oh. Go back to Mark really quick, and this is what you alluded to before, because there is the first trial. So remember, this is trial number two yeah. on trial before Pilate and Rome. Trial number one was on trial before the high priest and the Jewish leadership of the time. And here's what he says, and you alluded to this because he quotes Daniel in this trial. Absolutely, which is one of my favorite moments. So check it out. This is uh, I'm going to read from Mark 14, and um, it, this is again the trial. There, there's all these witnesses. We heard him say he's going to destroy the temple, and I'll build it again in three days. Here's the high priest. It's verse 60. The high priest stood up in the midst and asked Jesus, have you no answer to make? What is it that these men are testifying against you? But Jesus was silent and made no answer. So again, the high priest asked him, are you the Christ, the son of the blessed? And Jesus said, I am the proper name for God. Ego me. Ego e-me. And you will see the son of man sitting at the right hand of the power and coming with the clouds of heaven. That is a direct reference to what we just read in the first reading. Absolutely. The Son of Man. What happens when the Son of Man comes on the clouds? He's going to be handed over. What's
0: just happened to Jesus? He's just got handed over. To whom? To the high priest. To the high priest.
1: So when Jesus says, hey, you, Caiaphas, personally, singular, second person, singular tense, Caiaphas— you're going to see the son of man descending on the clouds, coming with the power. You're going to witness this. Pilate re- or Caesar, uh, Caiaphas realizes he's been handed over to me. Wait a second. Not only did he use the proper name of God, but because what's the next thing that happens? Verse 63, and the high priest tore his, his mantle. Clothes. He ripped his mantle. And he said, what more? Do we still need witnesses? You've heard his blasphemy. Why is the high priest so ticked off?
0: Did he just call him? And this is the processing that I'm doing. Did he just call the high priest in Israel the fourth beast? Absolutely, he did. With the ten horns? Yeah. Oof. That's brutal. What Jesus
1: is saying, and this is an important. Yeah, that's it's
0: very. It's, that's very subversive. That's, that's why like the high a, priest is so ticked off because I guarantee you he gets it. Th- that's like what a. What did you say to me? Such a radically subversive reading of Daniel. And I, his I stole history. it from Ted
1: Shree. He calls him the high beast, which is. Ted Shree likes to make puns. Yeah. But that's what he's saying. And then. But. Then he's handed over to Caesar as well. So here's the point. This is not to say, look at how terrible the Jews were in Jesus'
0: time. Yeah, this That's is not an to do anti- with anti-Semitic expression at all.
1: It's also not to say, look at how terrible the Romans were. What it is to say and what Daniel means at its heart is that just as Jesus' kingship transcends what we can see, the beast cannot be limited to some political authority sitting in a palace someplace. The beast is not just the Roman Empire and Caesar and Pilate. The beast is those who, whether explicitly or implicitly, unite themselves with the evil that they're committing. The high priest is unified with the beast. That's a problem. He's not saying, oh, the Jews are all the fourth beast. No, he's not saying that. He's saying, look, the fourth beast is bigger than any of this. It's not a religious authority. It's not a political structure. It's the evil one working in the world. And that's important, I think, for all of us to remember when we want to criticize political parties or, you know, administrations or whatever to realize, no, there's something bigger. There's an evil that we sometimes all succumb to that we need to fight against. We, we can give in to the evil one who is working in the world, who is the beast who is trying to tear us all away from the one true God, from the king who has come on the clouds, who is hard for us to see with our eyes. He wants to show us other things with our eyes and our senses and our ears to convince us that that king is not really who he says he is, to convince us that the beast is actually more pleasant and nicer and more beautiful than it really is because it looks attractive. And it's really easy to become united with the beast then because it's really hard to see the king for who he is. That's the message of this, that it's all bigger than what we can see. And when we're, at, when we're fighting, when we're criticizing, when we're, when we're upset with political authorities, religious authorities, people on the street, the other guy in the cubicle next to you, it's bigger than that. And we have to realize that, no, you're not actually my enemy. It's what you have actually sided with that's the enemy. The evil one wants all of our hearts. The evil one is the enemy. He wants our hearts. He wants our politician's hearts. He wants our religious leader's hearts. He wants your heart. He wants my heart. And when we make those people whose hearts Satan is after the enemy, then we've already lost because right. they're not the enemy. Right. Their hearts need to be won back. The enemy is the enemy. Wow. That's what I take from all yeah, this. Yeah, I
0: think that's right. I like. I don't have a whole lot to add because I think that you're bang on. I uh. I, I'm I'm just looking, and, and so what do we do? The only real response is to try to hear the voice of God because—,
1: uh, because Which is always quiet which and is, in the whispers and in the still, small voice. It's never the loud-mouthed, yelling, self-serving, angry voices. It's never the Lord's voice.
0: No, it's, it's, it's actually disposing yourself to the witness of revelation, the, disposing yourself to the witness that Daniel was experiencing. And like the Lord's quieting does, yourself. Yeah. And the, and like, the like Daniel does, the Lord will speak mm. and he, he's not going to forsake the ones that he loves. And yet he is going to witness, he's going to martyr himself. He's mm. going to actually have authority. And that's this, the other part that's, that, that, that I, I think is, is important. It's, is that we have actually been called into that authority in this world. And that that, that Jesus Christ as his kingdom is something that is real and existent, that that we have, by our baptisms, been called into that, and that we actually are meant to rely upon that and to know him in that. Absolutely.
1: And add on to that, what it actually says in Daniel, is that the saints also are going to be handed over. So we all sort of are a part of the being handed over. If it happened to Jesus, in other words, it's going to happen to us. Yeah. But Jesus is strong enough to protect us with His grace from succumbing to that. Mm. It's Still going to hurt. Mm. It's always going to hurt. But we're. But healing sal- is bigger than that hurt. But
0: salvation, as, as Father yeah. Brady said to me the other day, says salvation really lies into where we take our pain. Yeah.
1: Gosh, that stinks, doesn't it?
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's tough.
1: <laughs> if there had been a better way, Christ would have chosen it. But this, this is, is the way. only way.
0: So, there you go. Crisis King of the universe. Of the universe. Bum, bum, bum. Bum, bum, bum. So, uh, we will see you in uh, see season uh, four wow. of Lanky Guys. Scott Powell, season I want to congratulate you. Or season you. two,
1: depending on how you look at it. Yeah.
0: I want to congratulate you. This is the final one, isn't it? We have made it all the way through the Common Lectionary. And we've missed one. one podcast which kills me we recorded but we but we had um technical issues and it got it got deleted
1: one podcast in
0: three years can you i mean that's so close that's like so glorious and so you guys (laughs) i just want to let you know that um i am so thankful for your listenership Mm. And that, uh, many of you have caught, uh, the, the, for this from the very beginning, there's like one guy waving a flag, wearing a barrel or something, you know what I mean? Like he's a super fan, the Broncos guy, the yeah. barrel guy, the Broncos. Guy? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, but for lanky guys, <laughs> he's, we, we have one of those. And if you've been Weaked. listening from the beginning, tell us, uh, tell us, uh, th- that, you know, yeah. s- send us a message, uh, yeah. lanky guys at org, and, um, uh, and if you just tuned in and you this is the first week that you've listened, well, guess what? We you can listen to three years ago and the new one, so you could double up. And and uh, I am super excited for season two slash season four Boom. of the glorious uh, word on the hill with the Lanky guys. Glorious! It's uh, Scott. I'm really impressed with you, man. I'm really uh, impressed with you, Father Peter. Well, well committed, well committed yourself. We love you. We will see you next year. See you next year or next week. (laughs) Both. Bye.